Okay, so today is October. What day is today? October ninth, twenty nineteen. Um, you know, just a quick update of where I'm at. You know, family's gone right now. I just had the birth of my third, my third girl, my three daughters, my third child. Um, they're all in Hong Kong right now with some help from the family. I'm here in LA by myself. And um, just trying to make the most of it. It's really weird, you know, being in a house all by yourself after having so many people here. Typically, we have, you know, my my other two girls, my wife, you know, and then we also have a nanny. In addition to you know whoever is visiting from time to time. So usually this house is very busy, lots of noise, lots of people, um, and <laughs> you don't realize how much you kind of miss that until they're all gone. So it's been like this now since essentially July, and it'll stay like this until really middle of November. Um, so the reason why I'm making this, the reason why I'm making this recording today, just you know, just give an update of exactly where I'm at, and just give you, you know, whoever's listening out there some some additional motivation. You know, I'm I'm being sued right now by um, a contractor. I was hoping to help you know, create some plans and develop some land for me in Mount Washington, which is about um, 15 minutes north of downtown LA, in case you didn't hear that before. So, you know, I hired him. Um, uh, We have a contract and there's certain milestones in the contract. And um, essentially, I learned very quickly that I didn't want to do business with this person. And, you know, it may suck to break ties with this person, but it was going to be the best thing long term. You know, and that's one thing that I've learned after listening to a lot of, you know, um, books um, about people who are more successful than me. And they all say, listen, you can hire quickly. That's not a problem, but you need to fire quickly, too, if you find out that they're not the right person. Because if you keep them long term, it's just going to end up hurting you in a lot of different ways. And this one's hurting me a lot, a lot more than I thought it was going to be after letting this guy go. Um, you know, just a quick recap, this guy's suing me for, you know, essentially he gave me really bad plans. He showed me he couldn't, you know, even communicate well with me. And I realized I had to break ties, broke ties with him after giving me a thousand dollar deposit. Um, and now he wants the full, um, $40,000 that was in the contract to create the architectural plans, which is complete BS because, you know, I never gave him any approvals to move on to the next stage. So he's completely suing me for a frivolous lawsuit. Um, we already won the first court battle, but, you know, he's actually winning to be perfectly honest because, you know, he's, he's causing me delays and annoyance, you know, I mean, if, if I was someone who did not have the, the necessary funds, you know, in my bank account to fight this guy, I, I can tell a lot of people would roll over on him. And I'm sure he's been very successful at this in the past, obviously, because why else would he be doing this and why would he be so used to doing it? So it's a very unfortunate. There are a lot of people out there that that will attack you for no reason, for for bullshit reasons, because they think they can push you and bully you into into getting money. And um, you know, at some point, the truth is, it's going to happen. Even the best, uh, frankly, I I'm a very good judge of character, to be perfectly honest. But um, and I trusted this contractor because um, he was associated with a friend. So that's that's one lesson learned right there. You know, sometimes we. We may have good judgment about the people who we interact with, but sometimes we give other people um, the benefit of the doubt because we know them through someone else. And that's a mistake. 
you know, while the person that you know directly may have good intentions and um, is good hearted, maybe their judgment is bad. So just because they're honest to you and they have, you know, uh, uh, good intentions, it doesn't mean that their judgment on everyone else they know is going to be good like yours. So, you know, there's a very fine line there, but there's two very separate cases. And if you associate them together, you can put yourself at a lot of risk like I have. So that's my lesson learned. I take full responsibility for that mistake like I do with everything in my life. Um, you just you just have to, otherwise you can't get any better. So anyways, I'm being sued. We won, we won the arbitration case. We're going through arbitration now, um, which is going to be long and delaying. And at the same time, you know, I just found out that at one of my rental properties, uh, the back house, you know, there's there's a there was a, a leak somewhere. We still don't know where. Have leak detection going out there now. But long story short, you know, what I thought was a paint issue was really a water issue. And now I most likely have, you know, some some other <laughs> bigger problems I have to face. So essentially we gotta dig out the walls and the kitchens, and the bathroom, <laughs> and, you know, when, when, as this person is talking to me about all the places they have to dig out the water, you know, I'm just seeing dollar signs go off in my head, you know, so the, a minimum is probably going to cost somewhere between ten and $20,000 worth of work, um, so a lot of that stuff would get you down, but, you know, we're moving forward, um, you know, I had four rental properties, I sold two, I, I bought one this year or yeah earlier this year and I'm going to be buying another one I'm in contract should be closing this week. So, you know, the the moral of the story is is that a lot of times you're going to get things that that you know knock you down, some things that depress you, you know, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's investing or maybe it's all three at once and those are the real bad days or the real bad weeks or months or years even, you know. Um, but my, my suggestion is to keep pushing forward, you know, don't let those things stop you. Those things need to work while you're working. Um, you know, while this lawsuit happens, I could, I could have obviously sat back and said, okay, well, you know what, I'm just gonna keep saving, keeping, you know, um, keep looking for deals, but really not buy anything until this is resolved. But frankly, you can't do that. You know, time is precious. You don't know how long these things are going to last and the best thing to really um, keep your mindset in the right direction is just to keep doing what you normally do and put that to the side. Living with some of these long-term annoyances like lawsuits um, and, and repairs, um, that's going to be part of life. You know, obviously all of that, you know, can, it can be easily handled with money. Money solves all problems. There's not one problem on this earth that money can't, that can't solve. I'm a, I'm a firm believer, you know, if we wanted to build a colony on Mars and that was our one focus as a country, it would happen pretty quickly, you know, but the fact is that's not a priority for a lot of people, much less the country. So that's not going to happen anytime soon. We have to believe in Elon Musk and see if he can do anything. So, you know, that's where we're at right now. Got a beautiful house in in West Covina. Never never owned a house in West Covina before. Um, I'm not familiar with the city. You know, every city is different. That's another thing that I learn from time to time. Some cities are nicer than others. You know, I had a house in Azusa. That city sucks uh, because they like to send the city inspector out there and write you up for a bunch of stupid things just so that they can earn money because Okay, you know, if you haven't noticed yet, I get interrupted from time to time because I'm recording on my phone. 
And so I'll, I piece together these kind of, you want to call them podcasts, uh, together. So, you know, the other, the other thing that, I, that I'd like to talk about just really quickly is about income. Um, income, whether it's through business or your job, is really it probably the, the number one priority or should be for, for everybody. And, you know, when I, and this is what I, this, again, this is coming from all the successful people that I study, the books that I read, um, and probably the biggest mis- mistake I see when I, when I go to meetups and I, and I network with other people. Um, you know, just for an example, I go, I go to a lot of meetups in Pasadena and I meet a lot of new what we, you know, people who want to be entrepreneurs or investors because they see real estate as a wealth vehicle and all of that is fine and all of that is true but you know what often gets left out of that conversation is um you know how fast can you accelerate to some of the levels um of the people that they're admiring so much you know um people look at you know buying property and holding it as a way of you know earning wealth, and that's absolutely true. But if you don't have income to buy properties or a business to buy properties, something that generates high income, you know, it's you're you're going to be trying to hit the accelerator, and you're going to be driving essentially a you know Honda Civic um, or Toyota Civic, whatever that car is, you know, and you're going to be maxed out. You know, you can, you can only hit the gas pedal so hard and go so fast in a vehicle like a Civic or a Prius. Okay. Um, and a lot of people are trying to make it go 200 miles an hour when it can only really go about 70. So, you know, um, that should be the number one priority. And then everything after that becomes so much easier. You know, if you listen to, uh, Grant Cardone, MJ DeMarco, some of my favorite people, um, or that guy, Ray Dalio, the guy who does principles. I mean, all these people, everybody who is essentially wealthy, I guarantee you, <laughs> you know, they did it through a business. You even look at Manny Koshpin um, and his story, you could say, well, he got rich through real estate here in LA. I love his story, actually, because, you know, he's one of the few stories that, you know, he actually made his wealth really investing at first in, in um, you know, Los Angeles, Orange County area. Then he eventually moved over to uh, Houston and Arizona. But, um, you know, what he was doing is, I mean, he was essentially flipping. At some point, he started flipping commercial real estate, St- started with um, small strip malls and then moving to larger office buildings. But, I mean, that's not... Uh, that's not, I would say, investing. I would say that's more business because when you're flipping, that is a business. When you're flipping, you're earning high capital gains and you're moving on to the next project quickly versus staying and holding it for, say, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, I, would, I would call that a business. So even his model even fits that as, as a method of um, earning high income. And in addition, he still had his mortgage company, which was also generating, you know, a fair amount of income. So you know, um, I have my, me and my wife, we both work. We're not like on that level by any means of, of the imagination. You know, and this, this is the funny place, you know, you find, you find yourself in after a while too. And Grant Cardone talks about this a lot, um, both personally and in his books. You know, once you start earning even a little bit of success, which is what some people think I have, um, 
you know, you, you may think you're somewhere, you may think you've done something, but the fact is, you know, once you see everything, what other people have, what other people are capable of doing, you quickly realize while the people I know think that this, you know, is okay or good, you know, you should know in your own heart, you know, what is really acceptable and what is really, um, you can consider success is probably a much higher level than what your friends and family currently think it is. So, okay, that's, that's that one part of it. So what am I doing to increase my income? And, you know, this is, this is the big dilemma, right? Um, well, if you listen to it, it, this is, you know, to the bottom line is you need to do whatever it takes to increase your income. Some people will say, do what you love. Some people will say, do what you know, find a way to make money doing that. And other people will say, do whatever it takes. I mean, if you don't know how to code, you know, so to build an app, then go learn how to, then learn, go learn how to code. Okay. So uh, the, the, the moral of the story is it, it's whatever it takes. Now for me, I'll be honest, I actually tried to learn how to code. Extremely difficult, extremely dry and boring. You know, every app and every website that you see that looks sexy and fun, and that took um, a, a lot of man hours of dry, boring <laughs> um, coding to get there. That, that's just a fact. It is probably the most boring job to give you the most interesting and fun and probably wealth-building um, result there is on this planet. I don't know what else even can can meet that criteria. So, you know, if I were to find an opportunity like that, you know, maybe that's something for the future. But for me, you know, I'm going to be starting a consulting business, uh, doing stuff that's related to my job. Um, hopefully, the, I know a person, a friend of mine who's actually starting in that, he's doing pretty well now. So I see what he's doing and I'm going to try to mimic that. That's, by the way, that's one of the best and easiest ways to mimic uh, or to make to increase your income, and that's just to mimic people who are doing well. You don't necessarily have to recreate the wheel. You know there are lots of niches in everybody's economy, everybody's local neighborhood that can generate more income. And um, something that something that Grant Cardone says is never don't ever eliminate any of your streams of income. You know you should always try to increase it, whether it's a hundred dollars a month or a hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, don't, don't try to disrespect or don't try to lose any stream of income. You just add to it, find the ones that work, find the ones that don't, but as long as they're making money and they're not, you know, they're relative to the time that you're investing in it. Um, you know, don't, don't let it go. So that's kind of my advice. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. That's one source of income. I was thinking about writing a book about house hacking. It seems to be very popular nowadays. You know, you got bigger pockets always pushing the 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 Burr method, the house hacking method to get started, which I personally think is a, is an amazing start and that's really what I do in one sense or another. Um people don't like LA because, you know, home prices are extremely expensive. Uh, compared to the nation's average, I mean, the house I'm buying now is um, half a million dollars, five hundred ten thousand um, dollars. It's a three bed, two bath, um, fourteen hundred and fifty square foot um, house in West Covina. Now, you know, half a million for a house that frankly needs some work, 
Uh, it's a great deal, by the way. You know, I'll, I'll just give you some. I'll just go tell you very briefly about it. It's five hundred ten thousand dollars. It appraised at five fifty, and just so you know, whenever you get an appraisal, they try to make the appraised value. Um, as close to the purchase price as possible so that they don't piss anybody off. They don't piss off the seller, you know, because they think that they're giving it away too too cheaply. Like, they, they don't have a decision at that point anyway. Once you're in contract, it's the buyer to perform, and it's completely their control to close. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, you rub it in their face if it's really off. And um, you want you don't you don't want it any lower than what the buyer's trying to buy it for. Otherwise, they're gonna the buyer's gonna have trouble getting the loan. They'll have, probably have to come up with cash for the difference. So that being said, okay, keep getting interrupted. <laughs> so that was um, um, my 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 plumber who's helping me fix that twenty thousand dollar leak and all the damages at one of my rentals. Um, restoration company who tears out all the mold and or all the potential you know damage to the wall um, and then also you know it's a whole team it's a whole team of people that you're feeding that you're funding <laughs> um, just just a quick word of advice before I go back to my my purchase in West Covina you know when tenants complain about things um, whatever it is make sure you jump on it uh, don't don't postpone it. Don't try to avoid it because those things end up turning into more costly problems. You know, uh, whatever that is, it, even if they think it's a small problem, you know, your tenants don't know. You can't trust them and you may want to believe them because that that takes stress off of you. You think it's a smaller problem and you can avoid it or ignore it or send someone to fix a small issue. But that's that's the wrong way to go about it. You know, look at, you need to look at it as the worst case scenario and until you can prove otherwise, um, that's, the, that's the route you have to take. I could have sent a leak detection company out there for 300 bucks a long time ago to tell me what the problem was and um, that would have saved me a lot of money. Anyways, so I got a, Back back to my property I'm buying in West Covina. Um, I'm buying for five ten. Plus I'm getting about ten thousand in credit, so call it five hundred. Um, purchase price the the appraisal came back at five fifty. Frankly, I know it's worth more than that. And that's in the as is condition. One thing you'll you'll learn how to appreciate are properties that have been well taken care of, even if they are outdated. If they're well taken care of, you know that can save you a lot of money in repairs. So. Um, like the property I bought in Alhambra with this one in West Covina, I'm going to do some very light remodeling, probably some paint, some floors. I might even leave the kitchen because that's awesome when you can save that type of money. I'm just going to put some renters in there, keep them in there forever and watch, wait till the property goes up. See, that's my investing. I don't expect to get rich off of that. It'll take 30 years for that loan to get paid off. Yes, it may appreciate. I'm not banking on it, but that would be nice. Appreciation is great. Yes, I will pay down the mortgage. That's guaranteed. That's awesome. But that's 30 years. I'm going to be a freaking old man by then. At that point, who really cares, you know? Um, so this is for my children. This is for the next generation. That's why I do the investing. Um, but that by no means is going to set my life up for, you know, some millionaires, 10 million, 10 millionaire lifestyle right now. No, that can only come from income. So consider that in all your planning before you go out there and you start thinking of ways of how to buy rentals and how to, you know, put your money into notes, um, or, 
or lending or whatever whatever other investing you know vehicle there is out there 401k stocks bonds uh, whatever it is, before you consider all that, consider where you are with your income. Your income is the most important thing, and um, you can do you can get your income up a lot of different ways. You know, there's obviously you know having your own business, whatever that is to to make money. And again, I always refer back to the uh, the Fast Lane Millionaire book for for suggestions on that. But um, let's talk about just being an employee for a little bit because, you know, 99% of people out there are mostly employees or maybe businesses that make under 100000 a year, you know. Um, let me just say this, you know, I'm in the quality assurance um, sector. I work in the aerospace and defense industry and, you know, most of the people that that are in my position out there don't make a lot of money. Probably somewhere between, you know, fifty and eighty, maybe ninety thousand dollars at at the highest. But within every industry, there are outliers, you know. And and to summarize where I'm going with this, I, I you need to be an outlier. So how do you be an outlier? Obviously, on the high end, we want um, within your within your industry and sector. Um, you know, you have to do a lot of things like, uh, first of all, work your ass off. Uh, you have to kiss ass where you need to kiss ass. You know, you have to be, um, you have to tailor yourself to the people who have power, who have the decisions to increase your income, you know, whatever that means. Don't be one of those people who criticizes, you know, your manager or your director or your VP, you know, rather than criticizing them for what you may look at them and say, oh, well, this guy's not very smart. Rather than doing that, you should be asking, what did this person do to get to where he is today? And maybe the answer is this guy reads a book a week, you know, and that's why he's so smart. Maybe it's because he knows the right people. Okay. And, and a lot of um, victim a lot of um, victim lovers out there will say, well, I don't know those right people, so you know, I'm never going to get to where he's at. Well, go meet them. You know, they're, they're people just like us. And when they're not working, they are watching TV, spending time with their families, and, and improving themselves just like you are, hopefully. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about. I got to get back to work anyway, but I think that's where I'm going to end it. Uh, for today, just a just a general update of where I'm at, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks.